Let us not be ashamed to speak what we shame not to think. Michel de Montaigne In a realm abound with fragility and fabrication, truth is forced underground. We must, as sentinels do, provide sanctuary to the marketplace of ideas. And so, let us prepare to proclaim boldly and contend forthrightly before the court. This is Candor and Counter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Candor and Counter. I'll be joined by my two co-hosts, my brothers. Me, Sean. <laughs> I guess it's me, too. Yes. <laughs> me, Sean. Anyway, this week we've got a Candor episode, which means a new topic. Yeah, this is everybody's favorite time. And gear it up. And get something to tear into. So this week, I guess I better pull one out. Yeah, Chris will be drawn <laughs> for us. I'm just sitting here. Everybody's waiting on me. I ain't even paying attention. <laughs> uh, we pull a topic submitted by you guys at random. And we just kind of go off the top of our heads. See what comes. Yeah, if you guys want to send one in to us, go to candorencounter.com slash submit. And... Put a topic in that field and hit the enter button and we'll get it. Okay, we got our topic for today. Oh. Yeah. All right, here we go. If I can hold this paper. <laughs> Age of the Earth. Is it biblical 6,000 years or scientific 4.3 billion years? From Stephen. Mm. How's we spelled? know a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was about to say, how's that spelled? V. It's got a V. Okay. Okay, so I feel legitimately under pressure. <laughs> but this is a hot topic for me because this is something that I've. Oh, right. This is right, something right. that has weighed on me for a long time. Right. That's why you feel under pressure. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. How can I put it? So in Christianity, there are a couple of camps when it comes to creation. Mm -hmm. They generally fall into two camps. And those two camps are young earthers and old earthers. So they tend to believe that the earth is either aligned with the general consensus of science or with the biblical number of 6,000 years. And so that's, of course, young earth and old earth. And they state faith in the Bible as well, whether they're young earth or old earth, you know? Yeah. So they're still Christian. Yeah, either way. And that tends to bring up some unique concerns because if you follow the narrative of the early Old Testament, it's in fact very, very clear about the lineage from Adam all the way to Jesus. Very clear. So you can basically zero interruption. You can count the generations. Yes. Okay. Well, and in a lot of them, it's very clear about their ages that they lived to. And that generally falls around the six thousand year mark. 
And that's including some generations like in the early Bible, lifespans were way longer. I wish I felt like I had a more clear head right now because this is something I really want to do well. Because this, I know that you guys aren't necessarily like regularly investigating Christianity, mm -hmm. I, I guess I would say. But I'm on a sort of constant, not battle, but like. Investigation. Yeah. Uh, research phase. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of never ending, you know, as I try to reconcile all of the things that I believe about existence, about reality, and how they correlate with my faith. It's not like there aren't things that I don't understand, right? I know that I don't. And a few years ago, I would have said more confidently, but probably with Hesitancy. less assurance. Like I would have said more confidently, but I actually wasn't mm. more confident. Does that make sense? Yeah. Recently, we did the episode on absolute truth. The one right before this one. So I originally imagined it as a binary argument. And this came up a little bit early on in that candor episode. And I was like, when you started making your perspective known, it was troubling to me. And the reason it was troubling to me was because I didn't see it coming because I thought that I was coming into this prepared for this binary argument, right? And I had trouble reorienting around the new idea. Right. And that made me realize that I had taken in a one-sided or have you ever heard of a false binary? Yeah. So a false binary is presented as these are the two options and this is what's wrong with option B. Mm -hmm. Right. And I realized that I had had a constant flow of information in that form. And it had always been like this. I'd been listening to apologists go from here is what our stance is. Here's what theirs is. And this is what's wrong. And it put this binary in my head and I didn't realize that it was when I came upon it, you know, and part of this discovery for me is to be able to sort of recognize this kind of thing. Right. That's, that's like what I wanted, you know what I mean? Even though it hurts a little bit, right. even though it's a little painful that there was an eye opening moment. I mean, it's not like it turned my faith on its head, but what it did is it, it, it made me more self-aware. Yeah. So with all of that in mind, that's why I was, when we started this episode, I had already started to recently try to recalibrate and I'm following now, go back and think some of this information that I believe. And like I said, it hasn't shaken my faith in in the Bible or in God, but I have, you know, when we started this project, this ability for us to be honest with ourselves and mm -hmm. honest with each other, it's the only way for this to work, you know, and it's 
part of what makes I'm hoping to the listener this a fascinating thing to see. Yeah, right. I mean, you're listening to us kind of figure ourselves out yeah, as we right. move this along. That is true, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a process that's happening right now inside of me, you know? And well, sorry to cut you off, but no, you're fine. And this isn't really that important either, but I'm just reminded of it was in that same clip uh, with Jordan, Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan that you, you, you sent us last week. Uh, where he said, you know, in a meaningful conversation, there's always a little death and rebirth of your ideas, right? Yeah. it's and But it only happens in genuine conversation. Exactly, yeah. And I don't know if he said it in that talk, but he has said it in others as well, is when you see that's not happening, like, yeah, then you can actually spot an ideologue. Someone who is, who is not actually using their own thoughts. Right, they're just perpetuating this, this idea without... Yeah. And I have a feeling that I was being completely honest here, partially that way. I mean, I thought I was exposing myself and right. preparing myself and seeking answers. That was my goal. Right. You know, it was a, I don't want to say noble and seem, but we're out here for truth. Yeah. yeah. But like I wanted to, it, I was trying to be honest and true. It wasn't like I was trying to be one-sided, but it, creation and evolution is one of those spaces that when you look for answers, you find very impassioned, sometimes insulting material. And it's like, can you for a minute assume that I'm not a complete idiot just because I believe in God? Like, can you for a second stop calling people names and I don't know. Are you familiar with Richard Dawkins? No, no. A lot of, of normal people are not familiar with him. I mean, a lot of people are, but if you're a st staunch atheist, then you're probably very familiar with him because he's sort of their Jordan Peterson. I got you. But he's very dismissive of anything supernatural or creator related or intelligent design. Very hmm. objectivist. Yeah. And insultingly so. And very upfront about it. And they like that. It's that sort of strong man opposition yeah. to the damage that religion can do type of approach. Yeah. Right. So anyway, the material that I would seek out was, it, it just turned me off because I couldn't consume it in a way. So I ended up with this sort of Christian perspective, I guess. And they were much more analytical, it seemed. And like actually tried to, to oppose ideas rather than just like, yeah, it was like, give you answers that you seek instead of just um, like, don't listen to them. Yeah. Quit being foolish. Yeah. Like yeah. patronizing. Because I was legitimately trying to look for logical answers. You know, it's not like I mm -hmm. was... Right. After a while, I guess that was all I was was consuming. So when we broached this topic today, it immediately hit me. Like, a year or two ago, I probably would have jumped at the chance to have this topic. 
Like I would have felt compelled and excited. Right. Because you get to talk about a view. I get to talk about something that I've poured myself into mm. for a while. But in fact, what happened was nervous energy started to run <laughs> through my body. And the reason for that is multifaceted, partially because you don't immediately abandon your faith. Of course. Just because you don't understand something yet. But I also wanted to represent intelligence for listeners who might not be familiar with the creation story or its relationship to science. And so I wanted to do a good job, but at the same time, I don't want to perform. I want to question. Like it's this balance of, of ideas, ideals and truth. Mm -hmm. That's what's going through my brain. (laughs) I think we've kept a good balance of that. At least I hope we have. Yeah. I feel like, being able to like being able to explain the thoughts we have and how we got kind of got there. And, you know, we remember the road trip we took and we just kind of tell it how we remember it. Yeah. I tried to lay out a map this time and maybe what comes up next would make more sense, you know, with a perspective. Mm -hmm. So what do you guys, I mean, I would assume, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, I would assume that both of you, as a general rule of acceptance, default to the 4.3 billion year old universe. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it Earth? Earth. Earth. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's safe to assume both me and Sean kind of err on the scientific. Yeah, that'd be where I fall down. I do as well. And... I mean, I I couldn't even really give you any reason why other than I'm just not religious, really. So, and I don't, (laughs) it's not like (laughs) I I know the facts of, you know, the evolution of earth and the way creationism is viewed in the world today, it's generally viewed in a way, I don't want to say mocking. It's like shamed almost. Yeah, I mean, you're you're looked at as if you don't have a brain because you don't believe what science espouses, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to clarify a little bit about the thought process that goes behind accepting what might seem like an absurd fact at first. So first off, of course, we believe the scripture, and that is one of the foremost sources beyond God himself as to the truth of reality for a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Now, me being born when I was in this day and age, at the height of the scientific epoch, I don't know, like, this is the birth. Yeah, I I know what you mean. It's like, there's a huge drive for it these days. Yeah, I mean, a hundred years ago, Versus today, it, it's just day and night, you know. So we are in the birth of the human scientific era. And these are defining moments for the future and what humans will believe mm. a thousand years from now, right? So this isn't a little battle. like, And I don't mean battle in, in the terms of against each other. I mean of ideas, you know. 
of being tested. And I feel like, and I think rightfully so, the support behind the scientific community is so strong that coming up against it seems like a losing battle, right? A lot of people don't even think that straying outside the lines of accepted science is acceptable. Mm. The inability to question what some people view as established beliefs is not what science always was. The scientific community has been wrong before, right? And I think that this unbreakable dogma that is created by science is dangerous. And it plays into my ability to question it, but still trust it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people hold it too close. Like if you're too too rigid in your scientific beliefs, you won't learn anything, right? And truth can slip by unnoticed as well. You can even kind of jump over it. I guess what I was trying to say earlier was part of science is being skeptical. And I've, I'm afraid that the skeptical scientist is slowly fading because the established scientist is now the norm. It was never like that in human history. Right. Right. And so now science dictates the day. So science has become powerful and I'm okay with science becoming powerful in some ways. It saves human lives. There are a lot of positive elements to the scientific understanding. But they're all yielded from continuing to, to question and experiment, you know? Right. And I'm not saying that every, I'm not saying that scientific skepticism has completely died, but because it has hit the mainstream and become powerful in some instances, when you go against it, you're buried. I mean, scientists lose their tenure. They lose their jobs. They lose their funding. They lose because once it becomes politically powerful, once it becomes governmentally powerful, stepping outside of those bounds becomes dangerous. And when that happens, skepticism dies. Right. That being said, I believe that there is an, a movement to minimize religion in Western society. And I can understand the movement. Like I can understand why they feel like it's necessary or, I mean, obviously I don't agree with it. Right. But I, I've heard the reasonings and I feel like there are legitimate questions that can be asked almost indefinitely of subjects that can't be exactly proven. And this is what I mean. I believe there are multiple types of, of, of science. And what I mean by that is there is experimental science, something you can do now, reproduce now, do over again. Like it's just, uh, you can see the result. It's visible. And provable. Right. 
And then there, there is historical science. And that is science that can't necessarily ever be proven. Right? Now, I'm not saying that everything that comes from historical sciences just have to be totally forgotten or debunked, right? But I am saying that it needs to be recognized for what it is. And so whether we're talking about the birth of a universe or the age of the universe, um, the age of fossils even, like if say you find a dinosaur fossil happens every day and you want to know the age of it, right? Well, the age of it is determined by carbon dating. Okay. Generally speaking, there are other, More. there are different methods. Yeah. But the most common is carbon dating. And I don't know if you've ever seen about how inaccurate carbon dating can be. But these dates that you get back from carbon dating are all, you could send it to four different labs and get four wildly different results. Mm. If you're to pull a dinosaur bone and out on the street and tell somebody this, this jawbone of the triceratops is 63.4 million years old. They're just going to believe you. Like they're just going to believe you, but you have no way of knowing that. Yeah. Like you have no way of verifying that you can never go back and know that for sure. We, we have no way to now I understand how carbon dating works and the decay. Yeah. Half-life. Yeah. The, the radioactive decay and half-life of carbon 14 and all of that. But we don't have any way to prove that um, that has been a consistent decay over the entire existence of the universe. And there, there are multiple problems with carbon dating, but the, my point is once thing, something becomes established to the point where it's unquestionable, you can just talk about it like it exists and is the thing. And it, it is un there. It, it is truth. Yeah, it went immutable. from being a theory to being truth, right? So at that point, when when something that should be open to debate is shouted down, it becomes something that I start paying attention to. And I guess it helps that it lines up or comes into contact with my faith. And so that also gives me a reason to pay attention. So I was thinking about reasons that Christians would believe that the earth is 6,000 years old and how I might communicate those to everybody. I am curious about like the story of young earth. I mean, I get the gist. Okay. So we'll walk through the basics. We'll just start at the beginning. The basis for the understanding or belief in the young earth is a literal translation of the Bible. That is where they start. So they start with the belief that the Bible is inerrant and there aren't inaccuracies. Yeah, no mistypes. With that in mind, there are dangers and conflicts within your faith if you you do not take the Bible as an error, okay? If you don't believe the Bible is literal. Now, there is a conflict within me that I struggle with at this current point because there are two camps 
I don't want to change the subject too much because I don't want to get away from what I was going to say. But this is important for me. So there are two camps when it comes to the translation, not the translation, but the literary understanding of the Bible. And those are generally speaking either a literal translation, which means interpreted as truth, or a literary translation, meaning the different parts of the Bible. I've explained this in different podcasts with you guys. The different parts of the Bible are to be looked at as different types of literary works. Right. And some, like Psalms, are more prayer and hymn and praise and like a worship book, you know. And then some are stories and some are like the Gospels of 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 Jesus's life. They're right. more of a recounting right. of historical event and the creation story in, in a lot of circles is looked at as a allegorical story, not as a literal one. Right. Right. But it presents those conflicts I was bringing up earlier. If you fall into the camp of, of literary work open to interpretation rather than factual truth. And one of those is the story of creation because that's what the Genesis book is. And so if it's looked at as a story that we need to find some meaning from rather than what um, most Christians or I would say a lot of Christians believe in that Adam and Eve were created as literally the first man and woman and, and sin came into the world. And sin is where you end up having the problem. Sin, the source of sin and the burst of sin onto the scene in humans' existence is where you begin to have a problem. And there are other problems too, like the timeline and stuff that we'll get into, but in a theological perspective, if you believe that humans opened the world up to sin by disobeying God in the beginning, literally by it happening as an event. If you disagree with that as an event and just an allegorical story, you're left with the question. If it's just a story told like a myth almost. Or at least like a, you have a crisis, mm -hmm. an internal crisis because we're, where does sin enter the story? How is sin applied to you or all of humanity? Sin is something that as humans, as a Christian, or at least in my belief, and I would say most Christians' beliefs. I, I hesitate to say most, you know what I mean? Just because right, yeah. I don't want to pull... Too mm -hmm. many people into that camp. They don't want to generalize. But much. it is important to Christianity. I mean, sin is the reason for yeah, Christ. It's, it's not integral. like it's a... Yeah, it is. It's integral. It's not like an outside, remote part of this theology. It's not extra. No. It's like the thing yeah. That, yeah, right. that God focuses on in Genesis. Sin is a focal point for us as Christians, and it should be. It's a focal point of the Bible. If you look at it as an 
allegorical story, then you have this confrontation between is sin figurative or is sin real that needs the sacrifice to atone for it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I get you. So that's a major point for me. Secondly, you have the creation story itself, the birth of, of the universe and its creator. You know, in the Bible, it says it's born in six days. I mean, created in six days. So once you're ascribing, you know, you, if you decide, well, I have to believe that this is a literal book because I have to believe Adam and Eve existed and I have to believe that sin came into the world and I have to believe that sin needs a sacrifice. It forces you to choose. And if you choose to believe in, in the existence of sin, you have to believe in Adam and Eve. And you have to believe in the creation of the world in six days. And you have to believe the timeline that the Bible gives you. It doesn't give you room to say, I discount this. Because if you discount this, then you already have called the Bible in error. You're saying part of it isn't true. But once you say part of it isn't true. Yeah. Right. It's like a begs the question type thing. It's like, well, if that's not true, then can these things. Right. And and so once you open yeah. that door, you have to fall yeah. on one side or the other because there's no riding the fence at that point. It's either can be viewed subjectively somewhat or it is what it is and there's no changing it. The problem with accepting the young earth creation story is that it comes into contradiction with so much of secular society. And if you're a logical thinker like I am, well, that leaves you with a lot of problems to solve. When you have this idea that I have to make all the contradictions in my belief system disappear. Mm -hmm, Right. You have to find a lot of answers. And then you have to continually find answers because things continually change. Yeah. But now, and I'm not, I don't know where I fall. I don't know. I don't know where I fall. I, for the longest time, have believed that the earth was created in six days. And I don't want to, even saying I don't know makes me feel like I am undermining my entire system of faith because of this crisis. But I want to be clear. The crisis doesn't come for me from the interaction with the secular world. The crisis for me comes from understanding the way that we write books and the way that humans write. But the way that humans have written or did write thousands of years ago and how mythology exists. Like there are formats that it's in, you know? Right. And it follows the format of mythology. Now I'm not calling Christianity mythology. What I'm saying is the way we recorded it. Well, I mean, even now, right? 
modern writers follow some common theme among stories that they've seen, read, or wrote themselves. You mean authors in general? Yeah. Like, there are formats and there are styles that are all, they bring context to what you're reading. Right, yeah. Right? We talked about this in the episode about After Death when we were doing a lot of talk about biblical understanding. And we were talking about how context matters. You know, when we were talking about interpretation and trying to get to the root of what the original intent of the writer was. Yeah. And so if you're trying to understand the context of the time and you're trying to understand the culture of the time and uh, the translation and the ideas that they were dealing with and how all of that together is what's going to give you the complete picture. I, you can't ignore the fact that if this was written to be a certain thing or, or be a certain way, you can't ignore that in the context. And so if I'm ignoring literary styles, formats, or, or the way that it was supposed to be read, then I'm do I'm following the path of the untrue. Right. I didn't even think about this. So when I read the Taoist, uh, Holy manuscript. I forget what it was called. I didn't even think about that. It's so easy to read something and feel like you're oh, in, yeah. in the present with it. Because, I mean, obviously there are ties, right? There are ties to common themes that humans have had. Oh, especially in spiritual in, in, matters. Yeah. yeah. In the Taoist text? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was... It, it, the, the to, way- to be honest, the Taoist religion is... I don't want to say general, but it's largely general. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a generalist nature to it, to where mm-hmm. it applies to everything everywhere. And it does it very well. Yeah. Even yeah. in moderate times. But I didn't. I don't know. You know, when, like we were just talking about, you're reading it and you just kind of apply it to today instead of how it was when they wrote. Right. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? Because there, for- there's um, some stuff that's obvious, quite obvious. Uh, like when they're um, talking about like the empire, specific social structures that don't exist here anymore. Mm. I don't think it's ever uttered, but something similar to like the emperor. Mm-hmm. Some of the texts refer to specific social structures that don't exist. But everything else you kind of read, that's like, you know, speaking to father and mother and neighbor and children. All these things you just kind of apply to now. Naturally, you just think of it about now. Instead of what it meant then. Yeah. In what regards they held men and women and children. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit off the beaten path, but I mean, if you think about our founding documents who stated that all people were created, all men were created with certain inalienable rights, Mm -hmm. right? And then you read their documents like they're, you read what was drafted and agreed upon later on and you see like, well, women don't have the rights. 
and slaves don't have the rights, right? Only property owners had the rights. Right. And you realize, like, if you were if you were read it out of context, meaning you didn't you didn't find out all the information. Now, granted, it led us here, and thankfully, they used the words they used, mm-hmm. right? And we were able to take those concepts and bring them out to their full truth. And that was touched on in the 1619 project. You know, we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. If you were to take that one document and you were to read it, then you would understand where we are now, but like you wouldn't understand what the they, path. right. What they, what was going through their heads when they wrote it, you know? So anyway, my point was that there are supposedly a lot of different, literary forms within the Bible. If, if you subscribe to that belief, then you have to analyze, find out what they are, find out the context behind them and what their intention is. But the internal crisis is, does that pose a theological inconsistency? with sin and the need for Christ as a savior and all of that stuff. The internal struggle for me is you can read Genesis and it, you can look at it that way. You can say, well, this is figurative and maybe this is an actual day or, you know, maybe this is ages or eons or whatever. Right. And you can go stretch this and that. And then you get chapters in, then it's like, this is Adam's child. This is, you know, uh, Seth's child. This is Moses's child. You know what I mean? I mean, Mm -hmm. right, right. Or Abraham's child. This is, you go on and on down the line and you realize, yeah, this, uh, illustrative story got very serious, very quickly. (laughs) Like, why would they record all of this? Right. You know, in detail and then call it, like a figurative story. Anyway, this is always in flux within me right now. And at one point I would have come down and said, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to deny the Bible and I'm not, I'm not denying the Bible now, but that's what I would have said. Right. You know, I'm not going to deny the Bible and, deny God and deny sin and all of this stuff by declaring that. And all I'm going to say today is I'm, I'm in that search and I don't exactly know where I am. And that's hard for me to say because I used to be maybe even prideful, mistakenly prideful. Mm -hmm over where I felt I was and how sure I was. I think something this podcast has done for all of us, like, I mean, you just start to question. Yeah. It's like, but what if, right. Yeah. If I can find some, I don't want to say evidence cause that's not the right word. Cause I know belief is a strong part. Faith is a strong part of the younger story. Mm-hmm. I know and faith. some would state that that faith would probably play a part in any science that can't be yeah. exactly understood or proven, maybe. So you have to have some element right. of 
Yeah. I'm placing my belief here. Out but of I mean, faith. like faith, faith in another person doing research mm-hmm. versus faith in religion is largely different. But if I can find some, I should say read some accounts of like young earth theory or young earth creation. Well, I think that's going to be your guys' goal here. Yeah. Because, I mean, if we're going to come in from the opposite side, I would assume that's where you guys would land Mm -hmm. this this week. That's where we start, at least. Well, I mean, I can't even form an argument for myself for, you know, the 4.3 billion year old Earth. I mean, that's just... The status quo, sort of, right? So that's just happens to right. be what like, I believe that for for us to come on on this side, we're just we'll just you know be like, finding these pieces of evidence and being like, well, this was researched by this dude, and he said that he found this, right? Right. And I want to come. I don't want to come with that. I want to. I want to come and there's I'll, a major I come with more questions mm-hmm. next time. And I did walking into this one. I think that this is one of those rare. I don't know if I should say rare, but. This is going to be one of those episodes that I think will play out more interesting in the second half. Oh, absolutely. rather than, you know, some of them turn out to be a rehash. Sean, you've mentioned this. We've all seen it. We all know what it's like. To come back in and go, Last not a lot's changed, but like of, we learned this. Yeah, this. yeah, like we we talk about and the ideas go, and the candor and then like. And we feel like we can go a little deeper now because yeah, we have yeah, some more information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like this is going to be one I think that it's going to be new exposure type. That's definitely true. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to be like, I don't want to say hard evidence, but like. Come back with specific things that we can talk about. Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah. not, I'm not going out looking for opinions or takes on a subject i'm going out here for what you guys found yeah what, what you guys yeah. find what, out. The, what are the results because i that's why i don't want to restate it but basically like i know faith is a large part of it but i also want to know for like when we when we entered this conversation you were people kind of like sometimes imagine that christians like how do you believe in this mm-hmm. when and i know most people aren't stupid they they know that how how to word it like Christians don't not believe in science does that make sense right so I know there are Christians out there that have found at least some pieces that point towards their truth yeah there are even Christian scientists right like and and I want to find those things and I want to see you know what they've said and what they found yeah. I don't want to pre so well, the depth of the question of creation is such a broad one that I don't want to ignore. Like I'm afraid someone would avoid sending in this topic one day and it, it's something that I really want to dig into and, but I don't want it to seem like I'm pushing it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. But I'm afraid that it's so closely related that it will get ignored. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about it for a second. So, have you guys ever heard of the intelligent design argument? 
I think I might know where you're going. Maybe. Yeah. It's not necessarily a 6,000-year-old Earth question. And this may be not the best place for this. And so we can always cut this out. But it's close to that creation side, right? But it may come up again. Actually, I was going to say because creation has come up, it won't. But that may be not true because evolution hasn't come up. That. And so maybe I'll just say. I want the evolution talk so bad, man. Me too. And maybe, maybe I'll just save that then. I will. But just, just the broad like definition, intelligent design is the idea of a of a designer a creator of the universe it doesn't necessarily explicitly talk about christian god yeah nothing like that it's just as as a concept. scientific concept is it a viable logical reasoning to to think that there was an intelligent design to the universe and I love this topic so much. So one day, hopefully, that sounds it's right down my alley. Existential stuff. I live for it. And I have, as part of my, because so much of it melds with creationism, that almost plays into simulation theory too. Yeah, uh, but I have come into a lot of um, perspectives from the creation side that or the intelligent design side and, and heard a lot of indicators that hopefully I'll be able to share and we'll see if they turn up to be Mm -hmm. worthwhile. But, and there, and there were, I'm not going to go specifically through them, but there were like bio molecular ones, biological ones and chemical ones. And there's, there's a lot of them indicators of intelligence in, in the design of, Mm -hmm. I think creatures. And things and stuff. Okay. I mean, I could because I don't really know. Yeah, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I heard once that an argument for intelligent design. I think it was from Neil deGrasse Tyson, but the argument was that you know numbers are everywhere, and we like quantify everything, right? Mm-hmm. And it can all be tracked, and what's the word? Yeah, and you're like, why? Why is math the the yeah, language yeah. Well, of the there, universe. There, exactly. there are yeah. too many. It's const- a great way to put that. There are too many constants that line up with how like patterns they they appear everywhere. Patterns are closely related to numbers. I would say. Yeah. Because they're they repeat. So seeing these constant patterns. It's hard to say that that's just chaos, right? Like the law of large numbers doesn't apply here because most things have a constant in some way. Hell, the law of large numbers kind of like there's a uh, breaks itself <sighs> there, right? Have you ever heard the fine tuning argument? I don't, I don't think I have. have. It's worth looking into if you ever get the chance. But the way it's simplified is generally like imagine the control panel for the universe and all each control is like only universal constants. Like the pull of gravity based on mass. Mm -hmm. Right. And the calibration of, uh, of, of 
molecular activity to ab- absolute zero and like the strength of the electron and like just the, the absolute yeah. like hard facts, yeah. the things that never change and that are constant throughout the universe, right? Those are called universal constants. And since they never change, that means they're, they're numbers in place and we don't exactly always know why. So if you have those dials and you can adjust those constants right. and you can turn them up one millionth, you know, of a percentage, like just a, just, just a little bit. Yeah. And so you have to get them all perfectly aligned. And if any one of them change, the entire universe disintegrates because it's not, there's no physical. I see existence right. to be had the constant exists because it's the only way it can be right and then and so there is a very specific what seems arbitrary number to so many things and we don't understand why and so it almost seems like there's yeah. this intelligence yeah pinpointed this. that because even if you err by a micro yeah. bit you know Mm. So the fine-tuning <laughs> argument says everything is the way it is. There are so many things that stay the same way. And it has because to be that way. if it doesn't, yeah. we wouldn't be here. And, and it stands to logical reason um, that if you, if you see something that looks created, it's always created. There is no... There is no... Um, there's nothing that we know of in the universe that operates that seems, or I'm sorry, in the world that looks man-made, seems man-made, operates man, like made from what looks like man-made materials yeah. that isn't. Like it doesn't happen. It has a designer because it looks that way. Right. Right. And, or we know it has a designer because it looks that way. You don't see a complete, um, you know, computer anywhere right except for when When it was created it's too complicated it's too exact you i'm not gonna go into that anyway i was gonna go more into space and i was like no i need to i kind of wish that was the argument for today but it isn't it's creationism it's young earth old earth that's what it is and i have to say that this is something that I've struggled with. And I, I even hesitate to say that because it's not like I'm not going to lie and say there isn't a social pressure to conform to the way that those people you interact with believe. It exists. It's part of life for every human being who's in a group, you know. And as being part of that group of a church there's always this expectation to conform. And I've said since the beginning, I will follow truth wherever it leads me. Now that doesn't mean, as I've clarified many times, that I just abandoned my faith recklessly. Right. right. Because my goal is to create a whole picture it would take a hell of a turn to get you to separate from faith. <laughs> yeah. If that hasn't been made clear. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I faith is to me, if you're unwilling to listen 
then you're going to make a wrong move because you're human, right? You're going to believe something wrong. You're going to, you're going to go wrong somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so to refuse to listen, to refuse to try to understand, then that means one day you will go wrong and you won't catch it. You know, you won't know that you did it. Right. And you will continue down that road. And how long will you go and how much damage will you do if you don't know the truth? And I, I firmly believe that if I stay in the word and if I stay in a personal relationship with God and I keep looking for answers, there's no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave him. Right. That's not going to happen. Now, like I said, I'm always going into the, I hope you can see it. I think it's visible that I go into it with an open mind. Definitely. But having the assurance that I do makes me comfortable enough to do that. Right. And you're like using the, the, you know, questioning and challenging ideas to bolster your faith even. Right. Right. I, even though sometimes I might feel the human societal effects of opening doors. Some people don't want open, you know? Yeah. Just like the scientific community can try to lock those doors. So can people on the other side Mm -hmm. of that aisle, you know, so can people of the faith. And so my goal is, is to be, I don't know if I would say neutral because I don't know that's a fair way to phrase my position. But I would say that I, I won't question my commitment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. To truth, to biblical truth, to logical truth, to scientific truth. I think that I can do it all at the same time. And I, I'm hoping that that is not a flawed understanding. Right. Are you guys curious about any part of the young earth belief? So I mean, I didn't go through the entire. I'm curious. And of course you might not know off the top of your head, which is fine. I'll completely accept because I'm, I'm going to be researching it anyway, but I I'm curious, like beyond faith, is there anything that, you know, provides you with answers to the to the young earth creation story. If you remember anything that's been talked about. Yeah, so there is a, a body of evidence um that is you'll run into it, but I will break down some general things. So I'm I'm trying to separate intelligent design from young earth in my (laughs) brain because it gets mixed in so easily. But there is a a debate. If you guys ever get the chance, um, it's kind of long, but so be prepared, but it's in my opinion, actually pretty entertaining. And it was a very, very popular debate. And I ask if you do watch it, I don't want to influence you, but I will say I would ask that you, It's easy to watch a debate between a Christian and a scientific believer 
And I don't think you two are like this, but I'm just saying it's easy to feel like they're foolish in what they're mm -hmm. saying. So I would just say keep an open mind. Of course. That's yeah. anyway. That's one of those things like keeping in mind the person you're talking with and their belief when you're debating with them. I hope that's something we, we've been doing. Yeah, every time I say something, I try to think, how does this not just come across, but like. Keeping in mind how the other person's thought process goes is, is an yeah. important thing. Yeah. Well, it helps a lot of ways. And since we're brothers, it works yeah, exactly. out pretty yeah, easily. Exactly. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> but there's a, a big debate between um, Ken Ham, who is the leader of an organization called Answers in Genesis, which is a creation organization, creationism, and Bill Nye. There's a, it's called the Ken Ham-Bill Nye debate. And it's a couple of hours long, but a couple of hours long debate, that's something for me. Because, like, <laughs> you know, it just goes and goes yeah. and goes. Yeah. And there were even things in there. It's been a while since I've seen it, but there's lots of evidence that they're trying to sort through that just doesn't make sense. It doesn't align with, it doesn't align with current scientific theory. Like they've, they've dated rock and, um, uh, layers to be way older than the trees that they found underneath them, which makes absolutely yeah zero sense. No sense. I mean, yeah. well, I mean, there are, like tectonic movements and there's landslides there's there's possibilities but the way that they found the layering doesn't make sense like because because underneath the trees is testing older above the trees is testing old trees in the middle or not like what you know anyway <laughs> there are arguments on the science side you'll find inaccuracies and trouble with carbon 14 dating and other types of dating there is also a thought that I've dealt with for a long time. So, it, and it occurred to me, or maybe not occurred to me. I don't remember if I researched it or anyway, I'll, I'll walk you through it a little bit. So I ran into an issue in, or not an issue, but I ran into a concern during my creation study, I guess. And it was the problem of time dilation. And so it's pretty simple concept, really. The stars are a certain distance away and the light traveling to earth would take a certain right, amount only of time goes so to fast. get here. Yeah. We know the exact speed of light. That's not something that we question. So if that star put its light out 270 million years ago and it just now got to us then how in the world could the earth be 6,000 years old because I mean the light left there on its way here before we even the universe even right. existed right so that's the concept of time dilation and how it relates to the young earth because that's a fairly straightforward way of seeing time in real space right yeah 
And there is a, a level of understanding or faith that you get to when, because <clears throat> I struggled with this concept for a little while and I was like, I don't, you know, I read like Christian theories about it and all, cause they try to explain it scientifically and nothing ever really resonated. And I was like, this isn't making sense. Like this is real. And the, in the light, there's no, there's no known mechanism that's going to mimic this. Like uh-huh. it's does. Uh, sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. The young earth creation theory. Is there anything that like denies the stars being put, before earth in order no well actually yes because he separates the the land from the the heavens from the earth yeah but the vague language makes it difficult to say for sure but i will say this even if it did if you're taking it literally you take it as it happened the day before not i mean if you're an old earth creationist you can stretch that out okay i got you you I see what i'm you. saying but yeah. if you're a young earth creationist you don't so you take it as a literal day there are literal translations where ken ham does this actually where he breaks down how many times the word used for day the hebrew word used for day in the old testament how many times does it actually mean day? Is mm. that you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You yeah. know, we talked about com- comparing scripture to scripture and how we can use that as a reference point. So he basically breaks down how many times in the Old Testament do they use the Hebrew word day? And then how many times does he actually mean, does the writer actually mean day versus something else? Right. You know? And I don't remember the exact numbers or have them right in front of me, but it was like all, all the time, all the time they use this word, they always mean an actual 24 hour day. And here is the word they use for ages or a long time. And here is where they use it in the context. And this is, and then you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, I felt confident listening to him. It's been a couple of years since I've studied this. I felt at the time confident um, in that translation, in the way that it was presented. And so it'll be good to be re-immersed a little bit and, and to experience some of that again. Although I'm going to try to, it's difficult for me because what I'm actually going to be looking for is like everything that I've been fed since high school. Right. Does that make sense to you? Like, I don't know how to look for something new because I've always read and even listened to, I love space and, 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 and creation. And, you know, you don't, you don't escape the standard scientific model, (laughs) it's all over the place. It's in every textbook. It's in every YouTube video. It's in every, you know, Mm -hmm. the standard belief behind the age of the universe and the age of the world is 
presented as fact. Um, but it's generally accepted everywhere. So therefore it's a universal story. So I don't know how to expose myself, maybe directly go for the, the, the conflicts and the clashes between the young earth, you know, part of the draw of this clash between 6,000 year old earth and the 4.3 billion year old earth. Part of that for me is, is the unknown of it all. It's almost, you know, that, that inability to know for sure that reference to the unprovable. There, mm-hmm. There's a, it's always intriguing to me. There's an allure I've always had with the unknown. The question that's open when you can't have that final answer, like when you can't say for sure, this is how old earth is like we didn't see it created. Like there's no way to prove to another human being that it happened or not happened, but how it happened or when it happened. There's no way to, force someone to believe that like you can when you say gasoline is combustible. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so when you leave the ability for questions to exist, those are the places that they will congregate. You know, those questions will build up in mass. And so I don't know. I, I, that speaks to the type of person that I am like, right. That's where progress is made. Yeah. And, and my love of healthy skepticism relies on that sort of balance. And, um, you know, my skepticism isn't healthy if it doesn't believe the earth is flat. Right. So where is my balance in science and, and faith, you know? So, like, like if the if the Bible said and it doesn't, but if the Bible said the world is flat, what would I do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How far am I willing to let science go mm. in its encroachment upon my current faith? And so that's something that I've got to deal with. But there's a an element of I'm not backing away, even though I feel challenged. So I think we're going to be comparing these two ideas. That's pretty clear from the question. When we go into next week, we're going to be searching for the way those two worldviews collide. Yeah. And I think whether you're on one side or the other, it's going to end up being close to the same material, probably. Yeah. Um, because you can't just, I mean, go look at one without the yeah, other. They're going to yeah, be. They battle. Yeah. Almost, right. So it's going to be debates. It's going to be papers written about the comparisons. It's going to be that kind of thing, I think. I, I did have a question, actually, that I thought of. Is... Or do you know of any way in Christianity that like old earth is supported? Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, if you have a view of taking 
you know, oh, yeah. say Genesis as an allegorical story or a figurative story, then you can support it by making these mythological times and places and events or ways that God wants to tell you a story about sin, you know, or something like that. And you can, Ken Ham would call it mold your Christianity to fit the world is how it would be viewed in some right. I see what you mean. But the problem with that, as someone on that side would say is you're opening up Pandora's box and you're okay. It's now clear that you can edit this subjectively. Right. So, right. There are two sides to that coin, but there's no direct evidence. Yeah. There's no direct correlation between the specific old age of the earth and the biblical story. Okay. Yeah. No, you have to make it mean something else to get there. I see. Like I said, they, they put direct lineages in the Bible and, um, in Genesis directly after the story of Eden and creation. And they directly lead to Jewish lineage and at a measurable amount. So, right. So if Genesis is figured, what is that? Yeah. And if Genesis is literal, then you have your answer and it's close to 6,000 mm-hmm. somewhere. I got you now. Yeah. I mean, even if you were in a range, four to eight thousand, who you know what I'm saying? Like, it. Well, they say it's at least six thousand, but I mean, if it's six to ten thousand, it still doesn't matter. It's still in direct conflict. Yeah, the disparity is still there. Even if you said it was a hundred thousand, you're still going to be. You're you're not anywhere close. You know, I would say that there's a very specific relationship between the term six thousand years and our real understanding about when humans began advanced civilization, according to the evolutionary theory, I guess I would say. So that's about the time when that Mesopotamian, what do they call that spot? Cradle of, there's a term. Dawn? No, it's... It's like cradle of the earth or something. It's like the birthplace. Mesopotamia is like the birthplace of advanced civilization. Yeah. Pre. I think I know what you mean. I it mean, it's been pretty familiar. I can't That's remember the Mesopotamia term. was taught in, you know, seventh grade history. You act like I would remember seventh grade history. I loved history, so. It took me a while to realize I did, to be honest. But, you know, none of our um, advanced civilizations have writing that's um, that's understandable enough pre, like, cuneiform, like recorded history. Yeah. I think at max, that's probably 10,000 years. Right. I don't know for sure. I don't remember the exact... I think is that about right? I think that's about right. About ten thousand years, and it's like you have cave paintings and right. You're you're done with 
you've made it through the course of of human history down to not our base form, but like you see what I'm saying, yeah, civilization's like social, base form. Yeah. Uh, and so saying the world started then, it's hard to go beyond that and say we have. And I'm just talking socially now. I'm not talking like uh, universe and and yeah, 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 and like age of rock and stuff like that. I'm just talking about the social environment and civilization itself. You have trouble going beyond that point, and so they aren't really in competition there. I mean, there are human remains and 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 the existence of humans beyond that point. But I'm I'm as far as society goes, they don't have. Nothing carries beyond that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It'll be opening a whole new book for me since I haven't even really once tried to explore this idea. Creation, you mean? Well, or just like a Age of the Earth kind of thing? Both. Like we said, and it's I not mean, a knock the, against you guys. Yeah, it's not at all. But <clears throat> it's become one of those things that you're just taught is is fact yeah you know and speaking of that this kind of correlates with it to be fair almost all of science is that way right like the mantle inner core all that stuff about the earth all that's theory it is yeah like it's not provable yeah, once they go... Once you go so deep, stuff just doesn't work. Yeah. It's too hot. Yeah. Everything overheats. So they don't dig below, you know, There's three miles. There's a ton of theory. Yeah. So, and it's... It isn't just some guy going, hey, I think that's it. No, I mean, right. they I do... Mean, they extrapolate yeah. these, these conclusions from... It's yeah, educated from, guesses. Yeah, Absolutely. But, but is, it, it's yeah. still guesses. I don't right? think that is a good point. Yeah, I don't want it to sound the, like I the, feel like I'm stripping away the credibility. That's not my goal. So yeah, I mean it's a good point to clarify because it's not it's not me saying like rid- science is ridiculous. Right. It's only pointing out, like I said earlier, that it's okay to say skepticism is fair. Oh, yeah. Instead yeah, of instead of I can't believe you don't believe this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway. And I, I will say, I wish everything that was a theory is taught as it was taught as a theory. Cause my entire life, I thought like, you know, somebody had gone down to the core, not to the core, but into it was the, one of those beliefs for me too. Things. When I found yeah, out, isn't I was like, like, Oh, we don't really know. And they don't, they don't go, this is what we think it is. They go, this is... Yeah. One of the few the remaining holdouts is evolution. They still yes. teach it as the theory of evolution. Yep. And... Um, I think that's only because it has so much... Backlash. backlash. Yeah. yeah. Which is a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever side of the fence you guys are on... I hope you tune in next week and you get a feel for where we went and and some new insights that we've gained and we'll like and we'd like to share that with you. So come back and listen again. Yeah, and if you have a a topic you'd like to submit, 
uh, like Chris said earlier, you can go to candorencounter.com slash submit. Put in whatever's on your mind there. We'd love to we'd love to talk about it, whatever it is. We also have a Facebook page, Canter Encounter Podcast. We post our sources there, any information that we pull from onto the posts for the episode. You can find them there and interact with with us there as well. If you feel froggy, you can go share our page, share an episode, do something like that, spread the word. Leave us a really help. Yeah, leave us a review and just get the word out. We're we're trying to get in more ears. We would appreciate it. So that's it for us guys. We hope you have a wonderful day. We love you as a human being. We'll see you again. So until next time, take it easy. I was looking away. That sounded fake in the microphone. <laughs> it sounded like a sound effect. So that's how they do it. <laughs> they use David's sound effects in chiropractor commercials. <laughs> <laughs>